CHN Radio episode 48. I am your host, Greg Troxel. You can find me on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg. Uh, we have a wonderful, 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 wonderful podcast for you today. Start off with some club news. Then we'll get into a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful 3-2 win over Everton. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful comeback win over Everton. And now I'm done with the wonderfuls. So now let's introduce to you... The best damn co-host in the United States of Tallahassee, Elijah Newsom. Just want to point out that Greg said wonderful 10 times in the span of maybe 15 seconds. So that was a lot. Do I have um, a chance at breaking a Guinness Book of World Record? Please do not. That would... Oh, gosh. It, this is like the share podcast. thing from the last episode all over again. Like, share, and subscribe. Um but yeah, no, I'm excited. It's going to be a good pod. Um, if people care about Twitter, you can follow me at Elijah underscore Newsom um, for all the Fuego te- tweets. I almost said teats. Which <laughs> all is- the Fuego teats. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But, but yeah, dude, I- I'm excited. I'm excited. It's going to be a good pod. Where can the people uh, follow uh, our podcast? Yes, you can hit us a follow on Twitter at CHN underscore radio. And then our main SB nation account at coming home and UFC. You can definitely email us. We'd love to hear feedback guys. So good or bad. Uh, give us an email at CHN radio and UFC at gmail.com. And then you can always like share baby and share and subscribe our podcast. Uh, rate us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. The ratings are super important to us, to SB Nation, to the world. And uh, without further ado, let's let's get started. Let's get rolling. Yeah. Let's yeah. Yeah. All right. So first thing, well, I guess we're going to start on a little bit of a somber note, but it's not the end of the world. Um, U23s lost three to nothing to Aston Villa. Um, Newcastle U23s are right in the thick of a promotion race. So how it works is the top of the table gets automatically promoted to the Premier League 2 Division 1. And then the the next four teams have a 14 playoff. Currently, Newcastle, with that loss, dropped them from fourth to fifth place and pretty much puts them out of the chance of winning, of getting first. So they still have a, a five-point cushion over Man United. Uh, with five to go so there's it, it's looking good but nothing's nothing solid yet so we'll just have to keep rooting for the lads to get some points here and then we'll have a nice promotion playoff going in for the u23s that would be pretty cool if they can make it into the top division of the u23s especially with all the turnover they've had and craziness the last two years that's that any thoughts yeah. there um i I mean, I remember you talking about how our youth teams weren't that great, and then Sorensen came along and 
we started rolling through people. And now that Sorensen's gone, it seems like, and, and our boy Sean is uh, up with us in the, in, with the first team. It seems like they've slowed down a bit. Um, but shout-out to Matty Longstaff. He played today. He had a yeah. shot on target. Yeah, Matt, Matty Longstaff is a regular now. He's, he's, he's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, from the beginning of the season, you had, you had Luke Sharman. You had uh, Callum Roberts, Sean Longstaff, Freddie Woodman, Jamie Sterry, Liam Gibson, all those guys that are now on loan or doing other things. And then Luke Sharman got hurt, and then the Elias Sorensen thing happened. Uh, and it, So it was all good news, but now that you have all those guys on loan or injured or with the first team, so that completely changes the dynamic. You have to bring in guys from the U18s and hope that somebody steps up. But most, most teams are going through that, that same thing as us. So, um, Yeah, especially after January, because January yeah. is typically when – like like what happened in Newcastle, where it's like you've got a crop of people who are just obviously playing at a level above U23. So yeah. every team kind of been hurt by that small little wrinkle in, in, in their plans. But it's yeah, all they good. Should, they should do like the, the South American and Mexican league. Uh, they should do an Apatera and a Clausera <laughs> yeah. for, like, for pre-January and post-January leagues. That's what they Weird. should do. We're now entering a realm that our American fans are not even aware about. <laughs> All, All right. right. All right. Megan, I'm what is that? <laughs> um, <laughs> Talk yeah. about Iose. Uh, so he's, Iose's having himself a good week. Uh, usually Iose is or very that excited. came from, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, he usually is not that active on Twitter. He's one of those players that will post one of those, like, those, you know, like, uh, little – just like he posts on match days, really. Like prior to today, he only posted on match days, and it was just a gif of him scoring. Uh, it was like a gif of saying, like, hey, follow me on Twitter and stuff. And it was just like a picture. It's like a picture of him from the previous match or whatever. That's usually all he tweets. Um, but it's been a pretty, obviously, special week for him. Um, he is now uh, 13th, passing Michael Owen on uh, the goals scored for the club list. He's got 27. So he's he's not on pace to pass Alan Shearer anytime soon with a cool uh, 148. But that's cool, and people are shouting him out for that. Um, speaking of Alan Shearer, Alan Shearer had him in his team of the week. Uh, Rafa was the manager of that team of the week, and rightfully so. We'll talk tactics later. Uh, Perez was there as a winger, and then he was on uh, the Italian publication, La Gazzetta Tadello Sport, which is the La Gazzetta is how people kind of – Recognize them. He was in their team of the week as well, um, which um, includes uh, people from all the top European leagues. So he was there with the likes yeah, of European Getter, Sterling, yep. PK, Alvaudi, Juan Mata, Thomas Mueller, like Costil. So it was it was like a pretty big deal for him, and he was just tweeting about all that stuff and got a got a retweet from Alan Shearer. So it was a good good week for him. Um, yeah. And he then tweeted out that the challenge was accepted and he responded to his own tweet uh, saying that, uh, oh, I guess his challenge, he wants to get into the top 10, which he would only need one more goal to be in top 10 all time of goals scored with the club, which is actually pretty insane once you think about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but you kind of look at the names and it's like a lot of these guys didn't stick around in Newcastle for a while, a while and so it makes sense. Like Demba Ba, Obafe Martins. Uh, Gary Speed's on here. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, but Michael. I was like, could be top 10 goals, goal scorer all time. 
um, which is which is wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, in addition to that, uh, our own Cameron Johnson wrote an article about Isaiah Perez. Um, so check that out. It's pretty much about his impact uh, with the club over the past few seasons. And it's actually a pretty good read. It uh, gave us some, a really nice gem of a stat, um, which basically talks about how uh, Iose has accounted for like 25% of all of Newcastle's Premier League wins in the past four Premier League seasons, uh, which is insane with a game-winning goal. And if Cameron had factored in game-tying goals, you probably could see an uh, interesting percentage of like the total points Iose Perez has uh, accounted for. So it, it's cool to see um, him getting some praise. And even getting praise from Greg. Um, but, yeah, that, that's stay it on Iose. On stay tuned on that. Yeah, stay tuned. Tune, oh, Army. Tune, tune. Yeah. All right. Um, next thing, John Joe Shelby. He, uh, a lot of people have been harping him. They're ghosts. Okay. But, um, <laughs> okay. Let's be real. But I, well, this is what we've proved. John Joe Shelby can see ghosts. Yeah, like th- – <laughs> So uh, let's, let's tell the story quote. before we dive into it. So John Joe essentially is saying that, you know, take that and shove it to all the haters. Um, now you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he says they can eat their words now. John Joe Shelby's message to the critics. Um, he basically was like, <laughs> people have been saying my future's finished. I've got no career. So it's just to shut people up, really. Um, but, like... No one was saying John Joe Shelby's career is done at Newcastle. He was linked to West Ham, and I think Fulham wanted him. But it was never like – no one legitimately was like, oh, we should sell John Joe Shelby. That was not a popular opinion that people were holding. So I don't really know who John Joe is directing this at. It was more of like we can't sell John Joe because we won't bring in another replacement, and people felt he was too important to the team, which is a well, fair assessment. My, my theory is that – I, I don't think it's much of the critics that – I mean, he could have made this up on his own, The what they said that his career's washed up. I think it was more of the Sean Longstaff love that made him feel left out. Because, I mean, yeah, there's two players that play there, but that's his position. Yeah, I mean, I guess he didn't listen to our podcast when Warren Barden said he wants to see them playing <laughs> alongside each other. So, yeah, that's stupid. But, hey, you know, John Joe, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to write about it. And I told people I would write about it. And, and exactly what happened, like, I was get, there was jokes being made about the timing of my article. But I'm currently in the process of writing an article about why it makes sense to sell John Joe Shelby right now. And so it's awkward timing because I was literally like, no one has said this about John Joe Shelby. And I've been saying this myself about him for the past week. But I didn't say it publicly. Just been saying in our Slack chat that if you were to sell John Joe Shelby, this would be the best time to sell. So, Can't not because of Sean Longstaff. I just think this is just, this is the most valuable he's going to be in his career. That's just my personal opinion. Right now is. Yeah, I don't think he's going to improve. Yeah, but coming off an injury, I'm saying like in the next year, like by January. That's my. Oh, thing. okay. Like it's like I'm just saying like this. This you have a small window to sell John Joe Shelby, and it's within the next year or two. Because after that, it's like, he's like, what, he'll be like, what? He's like, what is he, 26 right now? 25 or 26 uh, right now? Um, and so by that time, he's, once you're past like 27, 28, and you're not clearly a world-class player, your price is just going to go down. Yeah, so like he'll be 29 in two years, 
and he's not and he's not like our England regular. He's his value is not going to ever be as high as it is now, where like teams are th- thinking about picking up for 15, 20 million pounds. Um, what do you know, think just, is without looking? What is what do you think is his transfer market value? Tra- on transfer market right now? Yeah, eight million pounds. Higher. Really? It's like fourteen. Higher. No way. Yeah, it's fifteen. Okay, well, that makes sense. But yeah, but that's exactly what I was saying. Like, I just think this is he's peaked in terms of value. Like, he could possibly be better as a player, um, but I think just in terms of sheer value, he he's kind of peaked. He could have a resurgence like Modiame, a late renaissance, but I don't know. That's it. But anyway, um, yeah. he said that, and I like I I people tweeted out the quote, but. It was just another thing where it's just like, dude, he yeah, he made this up himself. Like no one's really saying this publicly. No one's writing an article about it, if anything. Uh and yeah, I, I guess I mean I'm glad that this is motivating him to play better. He looked good when he came out and played. So I mean, good for him. I mean, I wish him the best. I hope to see him continue to play well. Yeah, definitely. Uh going to the next thing, Peter Beardsley. Uh you yeah. obviously know that things haven't gone well for him. Um, but so the club announced last week that he left the club, but the FA have confirmed that their compliance unit are investigating complaints of bullying against Academy players. Uh, Beardsley denies it. Club probably won't release a statement about it, but that is news update there. Do you have anything to say there? Yeah. The, the player who came out with allegations, allegations publicly, Yasin Bell, uh, El Mahini, um, I didn't realize he's actually playing first team football with Scunthorpe United. So, I mean, yeah, good for him. They sign him permanently. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Um, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, FA's looking into it. Let's see if anything happens. Yeah. Um, that's it there. Yeah, that's it there. That's okay. all I got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much to unpack. But um, next thing is Stephen Harper. We're so start with this. So Northern Ireland has appointed Stephen Harper to be their uh, goalkeeping staff for the first team, but Harper will not be leaving his position at Newcastle. So we still, he'll, he'll still be the uh, Academy goalkeeping coach with Newcastle and also the senior goalkeeping coach at Northern Ireland. So yeah. um, Michael O'Neill has a, has a good one. I like Stephen Harper. Yeah. He's a good. Who lad. doesn't, Who doesn't yeah. like Stephen Harper? Uh, Sunderland fans? I don't know. Yeah, they don't exist, so. Yeah. Uh, next thing. Nicolo Zaniello. No, I messed it up. Zanilio. Zanil- oh, wait. Zanilio. I have one more thing regarding academy stuff. Wow, you're just going to gloss over my beautiful Italian? Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Go on. Do your I mean, the academy's just restructuring right now. They're like a bunch of people. There's a new technical director. Um and someone's leaving the club. Uh, Dave Watson's leaving the club. And, well, and, we don't know that yet. Well, he says he's going. It's set to leave the club. Blah blah blah. That's reported by the Sun, though. It's really, uh, but yeah. But the Chronicle are reporting that Ben Dawson is going to oversee the technical part of the academy, which is, I guess, I would Why? trust that at a minimum. We'll see. Why? All right. Uh, well, well, I'll, I'll, we'll definitely get to the bottom of that. Um, I, I did hear the Sun reported that Dave Watson was going to leave. I just, I just don't know. I, I just don't see why. Like, 
unless the club are letting him go or maybe he sees the writing on the wall because, like, literally 30 players left the academy last year. Yeah, I mean, so, they're, they're trying to overhaul the academy. So the players go first and then the staff's probably going to go. And I don't yeah. know. Well, it'll be interesting to look out for. So next thing is my beautiful Italian, uh, Nicolo Zaniolo, I think. Uh, 19-year-old Roma center mid. He's really good. Uh, just scored two goals in the Champions League, which doesn't suck. He scored against two goals against Porto. Um, you know, they're in the knockout stages now. So you have a 19-year-old doing that. That's pretty good. He ended up at Roma in a swap deal with Inter Milan last season. Um, so they actually do trades in Italy, which is awesome. I think they should do that way more, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like David, David Santon was traded last year. I mean, it makes you can do it in FIFA. Yeah, no, it's like I, I think it's the most underrated way to move players, and it just doesn't happen as much. Especially because but, there's no, there's no, um, there's no like cap restrictions. So, like in American sports, if you make a trade, it's like you gotta do all this stuff to like make sure that the salaries line up so that you don't have a big cap hit. But there's no salary cap in European football or literally anywhere else in the world. So, like, if you just want straight-up swap for players, you can just do that. And yeah. then that's it. There you go. It's done and dusted. Yep. Um, so, he has – he's six foot three. He has five goals, two assists for Roma this season in 26 games. Decent numbers for a mid- midfielder, especially at the age of 19. So, uh, it looks like we've been scouting him a lot. I'm sure a lot of clubs are, so it'll be just be interesting to see what happens here. If the club want to impress Ashley and keep him at the club, this is a way oh, to do that. Rafa, you don't want to impress Ashley. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I, I should be you grounded. You don't want to that. keep that guy at the club, all right? <laughs> um, yeah. Rome is an, interesting, is, an, is an interesting start. They, they have two really young players that are going to be like – they're going to make a lot of money this summer if they sell them both. With yeah. uh, Under, who's their right winger, and then uh, – Zinniolo or Zinniolo, I don't know how to say his name, who's playing as a cam, um, or it can play as a holding midfielder as well. But it's, yeah, I, his market value is absurd. Uh, it's like 45 million US dollars. So um, I, don't, I don't foresee Newcastle actually uh, um, making an offer for him um, because I think that there's, I mean, you could argue there's other priorities that need to kind of be filled. But, I mean, if, if they do, they do. And if they don't, they don't. And if maybe Mike Ashley transferring his, his transferring control of sports direct to someone else is going to be good and he sells his shares and he uses that money to invest in the club and we buy a bunch of players, that'd be cool. But I don't see it happening. Um, I do see this guy uh, going for a lot of money somewhere. And uh, we'll see. Maybe it's Madrid. Maybe it's somewhere in England. Maybe it's eh, it's probably going to be either in Spain or England. That's my my guess. Yeah. All right. Next thing is Zidane joined Real Madrid. Very he tough news. So sad. Very tough news for Newcastle fans wanting Rafa to leave for us to grab him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, Our backup plan is over with. <laughs> yeah, this is the second time we've missed out on Zidane. Yeah, what's the first? We he, we almost signed him as a player. 
When? Like, 1996. Oh. Barry Silkman, who is his agent, said he offered him Newcastle in 1996. I think we, you definitely talked about this on the podcast. Uh, well, we we know, offered him Newcastle like, beginning of the 96 season for 1.2 million pounds. And then they watched him and said he wasn't good enough to play in the first division, which is the championship right now. So he wasn't even good enough to play the championship, is what Newcastle said in 96. He went to Juventus for 1.2 million, and then years later he went for 48 million pounds. So I think the people in Newcastle got it slightly wrong. So we have – this is time number two we missed out on Zidane. Huh. 1.2 million pounds. Not good there, enough. There we go. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, this wasn't a Mike Ashley era transfer. And to be fair, yeah. like, that's 96. Those are the years we brought in players like – like Barton and that whole generation where you had kind of like Newcastle were pretty much exclusively buying uh, proven Premier League talent, but still, it's just ironic. Yeah. Um, just, uh, I'm just going to backtrack a bit, a little correction. So according to this, I have Iosi Perez in eighth place all time for Newcastle goals in all comps. Well, no, this is Premier League goals that he's, he's looking at. Okay. Because this is this is the image he tweeted. Oh, uh, okay, got uh, it. So if you go to his Twitter, he's tweeting the he's talking about top ten Premier League goals. Yeah, so he is eighth all time though. That's pretty crazy to think about. Well, that is insane. Well, he also he had nine goals in the championship as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that so that's probably beefed his numbers up, and then he's got a couple cup goals. He's probably got what he's, I'm going to get this goal total. It's probably thirty eight higher. Really? So it's forty three. Oh, you're real close. Forty two. Dang it. Um, he's three goals away from pass, passing Papi Cisse. Dude, <laughs> guess what? Dude, dude, peep the question we just got. I will later. I all don't right. have it up. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll just give you a hint. It has to do with Perez being eighth all-time in goals for Newcastle. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, let's, let's move on to the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. BBC's match. match of the day. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to do beautiful BBB. Beautiful, beautiful, oh. beautiful match of the day. Oh. Um, Big I'm that's saying it. wonderful and beautiful in threes because that's how many scores. Oh, wow, scores. That's how many goals we put past Pickford. Uh, beautiful right there. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a good one. It started off awful, and we're going to talk about all of it right now. Newcastle 3, Everton 2. Bam. Bring it. Let's go. Before we get into it, we're going to dive into the three words. Uh, after every match, we ask you to comment with three words to describe your thoughts on the match, and we'll read them on the pod. So here we are doing it. We got some good ones. We'll start with fake Bristol Jordy. Uh, he says, what the F? Uh, sorry, I wish I could say it. I can't. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a family-friendly pod. You know what's funny is I think I can say the next one. So I, okay. I, should, I should just – I'll just do it. We get yelled at, whatever. Justin at the underscore best underscore smart uh, says, my penis exploded. So uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Justin. No, I'm happy right. to hear that, Justin. Well, uh, it's something. Yeah. Uh, relentlessly Jeff. Uh, you find him at Jeff with A-N-O. Jeff with Thano. Um, Iose did what? Three or five question marks after that. Um, Emis Katuli at sports underscore underscore haver. 
um, H-A-V-E-R. He said, God, period, damn, period, son. G-Mac at Super Mac Tune says, Perez costs 1.5 mil. Love it. Uh, yeah. PJ Doc at PJ Doc <laughs> said, England's number one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, bring me more of that. Um, so Sam he's Mar- American, so that's why he said that. Oh, PJ is? Oh, yeah, yeah he's New from New York. Yeah. What up, PJ? Um, San Marino at Lolita wanted it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so everyone has to go and read this one. Um, he well, gave they, me, they gave us they gave us some uh, they gave us some alternatives. Yeah. So here you you do the rest of them because I've already done a few. All right. Uh, well, they said Dino armed Mackum, and then they used C word, which we will not say on this pod. But they gave <laughs> us some suggestions because they figured they're probably family friendly podcast. Probably two nice strapping young gentlemen who will not say any curse words ever. <laughs> um, and they said. Uh, you could sub the C word with Doylem, Wazak, or Chava. So we're just gonna we're gonna read those out, and then Greg, you just tell me which one you like the best. So Dino armed Macum Doylem. Okay, a little alliteration. Dino armed Macum Wazak. It's Chava all the way. And then Dino armed Macum Chava. Yeah. Okay, sure. that works. All right. <laughs> um, in UFC Canada at backer underscore Bill said Pickford is the S word. And then Ross in America <laughs> said, as a for, for a correction form, Pickford is wank. I love, I love the form. pod corrections. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay. Uh, some guy named Greg Troxel put, I is a trolled me, which is an accurate description. Yeah. Um, one lost muffin put first half, which he put nothing. And then second half, his three words were goal, goal, and goal. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Don uh, at SM Cultra, uh, the legend uh, who is unfortunately a DC United fan, um, so we won't hold that against him. Um, he put Iose Balloon to Or. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, and then Ross in America, I'm still screaming. Uh, shout out to Matthew. What a great guy. And Toonami Baltimore. Shout out to Toonami Baltimore, Mobtown Magpies, one of the best Twitter names on uh, Twitter because that is just dope. Yeah. Um, and it, they said Iose effing Perez and Trevor Mooney with the <laughs> most words of the season. <laughs> Iose still shite. Uh, so yeah, that was three words. <laughs> All right. And uh, okay. so one of the funny things before we get started. No, actually, I'm going to add this in when it when we're doing the match review. So let's go to lineups. Lineups. What did you think of Newcastle's starting lineup, Elijah Newsom? Um, is pretty basic. Uh, I was I was a little shocked to see Key alongside Hayden. I thought that Shelby would start, but that was the only thing that kind of shocked me. I didn't hate the move at first, especially when you're kind of reminded that, like, and you were quick to remind people this in our in our Slack. Shout out to our Slack was popping this weekend um, <laughs> with a lot of debates and a lot of just tomfoolery, but it was popping. Um, but you were quick to remind people that Key was very good for us in the beginning of the season. He was um, considered our best player at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, he had that shocking display against, who was that, Cardiff, I think. Uh, everyone, like, so, there was a match where, like, the whole team was terrible. It might have been, like, the EFL Cup match, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't Cardiff because we absolutely dominated and should have won, like, 4 or 5 nil, but yeah. we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it, was that, it was, like, the EFL Cup match that we uh, – that we uh, that that like uh, like pretty much half our 
uh, pretty much all of our reserves played in, and they all were just hot garbage. Yeah. And he, that was like Keith's first start, and he was just bad. Yeah. But uh, anyway, outside of that, he was great. So uh, it was cool to see him get a shot, get a shot at starting. I was interested to see how he'd work alongside Hayden. Um, and uh, it was kind of interesting because he was kind of expected to be a key link in the midfield. Um, and I don't think he really accomplished that to the best of his ability. Um, just he he just didn't seem as present as he could have been, especially in the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, there wasn't really any surprises to me there. Um, yeah, like, Yedlin was back, so that's probably the only real – yeah, those two things, Key and Yedlin. Started. But I wasn't shocked Yedlin was back. No, I was going to say – Because Keo wasn't great the last time he was out, so – no, I wasn't going to say shocked. I was going to say that was the only changes. To the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last match, so. Makes um, sense. Yeah, so that was it. So let's get into the match. It was it was pretty crazy. Like, I you know, it sucks going with all these ups and downs, but, like, give me more of that. Like, it that, sure that, is, that hell was exciting. is fun. That was, like, no, there was no boringness in that match. It was pretty much full-on excitement from the beginning. Um, so, Newcastle set up in their normal formation at the 3 4 3 5 2 2 different <laughs> aspects into the formation that they have. But uh, Almiron was on the left, Perez was on the right, and then Hayden and Key were sitting in. Yedlin and Richie were their wingbacks. Um, and I have to say, supporters, right from the get-go – we're just on all cylinders, just firing away. I wasn't sure how they're going to respond after losing the West Ham. And um, there's one point at the start of the match, we were three points from relegation, uh, three points from the drop after yeah. res- how results went that day. So I was a little nervous with how things could have started. But to be fair, it was, it was really lively. And I think that really helped, uh, but not initially. So, um, it kind of started right away. So it was 18th minute, Calvert-Lewin goal. Um, it was very bad defending for Newcastle. Yedlin was forced inside, and it, I've never known how to pronounce his name, Elijah. Is it Digne? Digne? Digne. Digne. Okay. So Yedlin was forced inside, and then Digne overlapped. Uh, he curled across towards the front post, and Calvert-Lewin Rose up and headed it past Dubrovka into the far corner. Um, Calvert-Lewin was completely, like, head and shoulders above LaSalle's, which is pretty surprising considering how big LaSalle's is. So a lot of bad defending on both sides on Yedlin for getting caught into that and then LaSalle's for not even, like, even trying to jump for it. So immediately 1-1. I mean, 1-0. Yeah, 1-0 to Everton. Um, and then, then it started getting chippy. There was a lot of, like, there were some crazy fouls on Almiron that just weren't called. Like Zuma was diving into Almiron, not called at all. Two footed tackle. Yeah. Two footed, like Rafa's losing his mind. And then it like, it was getting so scrappy. And then, then it reaches boiling point. There was someone on, on our, uh, in our Slack, I think that was like, I was, I was saying it was, it was Mirza. I was like, two-footed tackle, no matter if you get a ball, that's, like, literally considered reckless, and it's a foul. Yeah. And he was, like, trying to defend me on this. I was like, dude, 
I, I, I didn't say this, but I was, I was literally watching the match as an Everton fan, which I think people in, in, our, in our site knew. But it was like, I'm literally watching this game with an Everton fan. And he, the first thing he says to me, because I missed the initial challenge, he's like, that's a yellow. It's a two-footed tackle. He's going in. He gets a little bit of the ball, but you can't go in with two feet. Like, you just can't. And it should have been a yellow. I mean, but you're right. It got even worse. Yep. Uh, and his boiling point, uh, Matt Ritchie ripped, whipped across into the area. And, and Pickford, tried to, he tried to get it, and he misjudged it. Rondon, the, the ball gets by him. Rondon is going around him to shoot. So, like, it goes right through his hands, Pickford. Pickford. And then Rondon's going around him. No defenders in the area, like, in front of him, separating the ball from the goal. And Pickford lands on his two feet and immediately lunges to his left, which is completely an unnatural movement. Wraps both of his arms around our number nine in the box and takes him down, and it's an immediate pen. Completely agree. Where I disagree is it's not an immediate red card. And he didn't even get a yellow. Elijah, please go in. Please go in. I don't even have to go in. Uh, one, of the most popular, uh, one of the most popular accounts on, uh, on Twitter, in, in football Twitter, is Mark Halsey, who is a former FIFA and Premier League referee. Uh, he beat cancer. He's a huge ambassador. He's got like 20,000 followers, which is insane because he's just a referee. And all people do pretty much every match day for Champions League or FIFA-regulated matches or mostly Premier League stuff, they'll tweet at him like, hey, um, have you, did you see this play? Like, what did you think of it? Especially if it's controversial stuff. So, like, for example, there's a controversial uh, VAR uh, goal that was not disallowed in the uh, Ajax-Real Madrid game. And, like, people were asking about that. So, obviously, people asked him about this Pickford thing. Um, and he tweeted, I've seen the incident. Pickford should have been sent off for denial as he made no attempt to play the ball. Poor recognition of Law 12. So he brought out the actual rule that Lee Mason should have should have referenced. And he said, poor recognition of Law 12 from Lee Mason. Didn't even caution him. And so uh, I don't think I need to say anything. It was a clear red. Um, and I think that this this podcast would have been pretty dreary uh, if we hadn't won. It was, this is also just saying this has happened before where there's been uh, like a clear red or clear yellow that wasn't called that denied Newcastle goal scoring opportunity that like this podcast should have been really way more upset about, but Newcastle ended up winning. And I cannot remember for the life of me, what match it was earlier this season. There's like a clear red that like just wasn't called. And uh, I, I'm trying to think back too. that's a, I, I, I definitely know what you're talking about, but I also cannot when, uh, homeboy elbowed uh, IOZ in the face. No, was that, was that wolves? Cause we didn't win. That was that. the first Wolves game. We didn't win that, though. We, okay, we got yeah. a draw, but yeah. But anyway, that happened. And I remember talking – I said the exact same thing. And it's the same thing. It's a clear red. It's an obvious red. Everyone was making fun of him. Even, like, the uh, Everton newspaper. Uh, they're, they're, I think it's the Echo in that region. Uh, they, they were making fun of it, caught, like, photoshopping rugby balls into Pickford – into uh, Rondon Tan. It was just – Obviously a red, um, but Newcastle got the penalty for, what, I think the third time this season. Um, yep. So, good for so, us. Two thoughts. First thought is you have – like, referees have to be disciplined for their actions or inaction. You can't, you can't hold, hold everybody accountable, but then the ref is no longer it's, – it's unacceptable to discipline them. 
if you if a clear decision like that isn't given, like there has to be some sort of suspension punishment given down by the FA. It, it's it's only fair. Like you have to hold those the every party accountable. Second, and thing, this is a, this is an issue that occurs in every sport where yeah. it, the refs are never really held accountable for anything, and they aren't ever questioned publicly for their decisions. Like we do this all the time with players and coaches where if a, if a coach messes up, like I remember explicitly to this day, the Falcons lost the Super Bowl 28-3, and the first people who, like the only questions that Falcons coaches and players got were like, what were you thinking here? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do this? Like, you know, if you had done this, you could have. So you're constantly criticized for your decision as a manager, uh, as we've seen with Rafa this whole season. Even if he's right, he's criticized. And as a player, but uh, referees are never held to that same standard where, like, um, press are never even allowed to talk to referees to get insight into why uh, why they didn't call or 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 did call something a certain way. Um, and there has to be a process for them to determine these things. So it, it's only fair that they're only they're held accountable. And there's a standard of rules, as our boy uh, our boy what's his face, um, jeez Mark Mark Halsey or whatever his name is the the ref said like there's a clear rule that the ref should have turned to and he just didn't. So. And second thing is I'm kind of happy he didn't do it because that could be the reason why we won. Probably. <laughs> um, so following up from that penalty, uh, Richie, who I, I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, were jinxing at the time. He's never missed a pen. Commentators, curse. Yeah, I said it. Every, I'm sure so many people said it. Um, so that's what he did. He missed. Um, it was saved by Pickford. It Well, it hit Pickford's feet. Let's just call it that way. Yeah, I don't uh, know if it's a save. He didn't Pickford, really do much to even position himself, like to make the actual save. Yeah, like he didn't adjust his feet to to make the save. No, he like, just dove like, left, and and Richie hit it right down the middle, and his feet caught it. That's literally what happened. Yeah, and <laughs> if you hit it down the middle, you gotta like. I feel like you hit it in the middle. You gotta try to roof it or something. Yeah, you gotta go higher. Yeah, um, yeah. or on the ground. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. That was it, and at that point, everyone's thinking, "Oh no, oh no, we're we're gonna lose a match where a player should have gotten sent off, and we had a missed pen." And then it got even worse. So, so Richie, one thing I didn't see a lot of people, or maybe they just didn't Except talk about for it me. because it's not a, uh, uh, it was because we won. But Richie, his reaction after missing that penalty was like, "Oh my god!" Like I wouldn't want to come within a mile from that man. Like he he when he gets angry, it's like a different level. Things like serial killer mad, like enraged serial killer mad, not like quiet, like you wouldn't know who, like you wouldn't guess in a million years serial killer. Not zodiac serial killer. Yeah, um, but he this was took a dark turn. furious. But it's and then it's that situation like that that keeper should not have been in the position to make that save because he should have been in the locker room. So uh, it's a big issue. But it was only two minutes later where Richarlison, Richarlison uh, made it 2 nothing, And that's when everybody sat back into their chairs and thought it was over. Um, everything went wrong for Newcastle in, the, in that span of five minutes. Like, could have had a two-footed yellow slash red card on Amron, obviously the red on Pickford, a missed pen, and then a second goal. Um, that, by the way, hey, was a save hey, that was parried right into Charleston's feet. Yeah, and, and so it actually goes down as, a, as an error for Dubrovka in the stat book, but 
I, I don't think it was an error. Yeah, it technically it is because you rebounded it. No, I'm just like the technicality of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously technically, but if you're looking um, at it subject objectively. Yeah. So so Hayden goes down and Everton immediately take the ball from him and attack. Um, Gomes which to, he goes down for a head injury. Let's yeah. uh, let's not forget that. Which you're supposed to automatically stop all play for head injuries because you know concussions. So yep. shout out to the NFL for being better than uh, the Premier League. And another way. another thing that could be disciplined, but won't be. Yeah. Um, so Gomes's low cross got gets parried by Dubrovka, as we mentioned, and then Richarlison followed up and slotted it right into the net. And then from there, I noticed Matt Ritchie lost his mind. Like I, I need to go back and watch it again because I like I was like, yo, he his head is about to burst with anger. Um, he, he, I mean, he just knew like he's like I, I just completely botched it. Like I completely lost this game because if he doesn't miss the penalty, that goal doesn't happen. That it doesn't happen. If he makes a pen, that second goal does not happen. Simple. True. Simple. Um. So it was honestly a, a decent. Um, rest of the first half. Okay, Castle. we have to I also have to bring up something that uh, and it it cannot be and like I don't want to be that guy, but the second goal was a direct result of Richie's frustrations. Yes, because he literally crossed the ball right into an Everton player. Like there was literally no Newcastle player anywhere near his cross. Just gave it directly to him, which set up the initial shot that was parried that where Charleston scored. Yes. Yeah. What, just let the record show Matt Ritchie technically was responsible for the second goal. But yeah. that's uh, just throwing that out there. So, and I'm not to be this guy, but you're going to hear me. We're going to talk about a lot about a certain player that was a brand on the podcast for a certain reason. Yes. The first 40 minutes of this match, Iosie Perez was nowhere to be found. He was not making runs. He was not going forward in attack. He was leaving his part of the field completely absent, and I was very frustrated at that. Right at the 40th minute, he had his first of soon-to-be many chances, um, and it was thanks to Cher. Cher played a ball and a half. Um, Dude, that sent, such a good ball. <laughs> yeah, sent, he sent Perez down on the right, and then Zuma forced Perez inside, and he got a left-handed, left, left-handed shot, left-footed shot uh, that was well-saved. And he um, tried to, like, it was rebounded out, and he tried to head it, head it back towards goal, but it was taken care of. But it was a good chance by him. And from that point, he was like, okay, we got this. So halftime ended, 0-2. It's a long way to go for Newcastle. They needed to – They uh, there's so much frustration and completely understandable. Now let's talk about the second half, and I wanted to get into a little – little bit here right before the first oh of many before games. we get into the second half i just want to the guy I was watching the match with shout out to my boy matt uh who he's older than me he's like a father so i he's not like a 13 year old kid it sounded like he was a younger person i was like my boy but anyway um he said <laughs> at the beginning of the second like beginning of the second half i was like it's like ah, i think newcastle is gonna roll over and this one's gonna be tough he's like no this is the worst season i've experienced as an everton player like, fan, we are probably going to blow this two-goal lead. It'll probably end up in a draw, or it's going to be three-two. You guys. So he called this <laughs> at the beginning of the second half. There we go. So, shout out to Matt for making our dreams come true. Yeah, 
Um, the the thing that really needs to be talked about, the biggest moment of the match was when Rafa at the 60th minute switched us to a 4-2-3-1. Well, wait, before that, uh, you have to mention LaSalle's was subbed off for oh, yeah, an yeah. apparent knock, yeah. which is, you know, something that at least a couple people are a little, are wondering if it's true or not, um, and whether or not he was just subbed off because he was not having a great match. Um, but I've seen Rafa stick with LaSalle's in, uh, even when he's had worse matches than he has. So I legitimately think it, he probably was subbed off for injury, um, especially since we don't want a repeat of what happened the last time Jamal LaSalle played with an injury and was already having a bad match um, in which he just made everything way worse. And yeah. that was not fun. But hey, 60th minute. No, yeah. So, so as soon as that sub was made, it was Lejeune that went towards the middle of the back three. And then Dummett was left center and... Richie was left wing back. Yedlin was right. Um, and then the 60th minute, Rafa changed everything. And it made an immediate impact. They literally scored three minutes after the change. Um, Richie was moved to right wing, so they moved to the 4-2-3-1. Richie was right wing. Four at the back. Dummett was left back, and Yedlin was right. Um, it was Richie, Perez, and Almiron were lined up behind Rondon. So, um, in this formation, like we absolutely took over, and this is this might be what we we. So it's crazy because the three at the back worked so well for for us, but right now with Almiron playing that ten role and freeing up Perez, we might have to just go back to this. Like, and we can get into deeper discussions about this again, but damn, sixty third minute, it starts from Matt Ritchie with a beautiful back heel. And Rondon grabs it, plays it to Perez. Perez to Rondon. Rondon to Perez. Then Perez pops up this, like, who the hell are you, Chip? Over three defenders. And then Rondon, Allen shears it across the goal, like diving kick underneath Pickford. Goal, two to one. Comeback time. How beautiful was that, Elijah Newsom? It was beautiful, but what was even more beautiful was Rondon goes and scores. He celebrates for 10 seconds. Jose Perez immediately runs to the ball, uh, runs gets the ball out of the net and brings it to the halfway line. So you love to see that. It's a classic classic FIFA move I use when, you know, you score in the 70th minute. You're like, oh, I still got a chance. <laughs> yep. I yeah. bet. And, that's and- the third time that's been done this season, by the way, total, by any team, where a guy scores and then – a teammate runs and grabs the the ball from the net. What? That's the third time that's been done this season. As I thought a, as you said a, that was no. kicking corner flags. Huh? I no, you said no. Corner flags was kicking corner flags. Corner flags has happened four times this season. Newcastle have half the people who've kicked four corner corner flags. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. There's a whole. There's, there's some. Yeah, dude. Oh, I know a lot of random stats. <laughs> That is that's the third time that's happened this season. Like yeah. out of any club where a player has just picked up the ball and brought it back to the halfway line. Interesting. Yes. All right. So Pickford should have had that one, by the way. It went right underneath him. I mean, he was there, should have made the save. He didn't. Ha-ha. You could argue Pickford should have made every single one of the saves <laughs> except for maybe the last one was tougher, because I was a hit that in a pretty perfect spot, but Pickford just had a howler. After yeah. his 
his uh, his tackle. So right uh, like a few minutes after this goal, so it wasn't immediate, but pretty much like five minutes after, um, Everton just were shaking. Their back line was completely like in it was in peril mode. And Newcastle had another great chance. Dumb it almost scored, which yeah. I would have gone nuts. He jumped up, got really like Dumb it has ups. Let's be honest about that. Dummett has ups, and he put the ball just over the bar. The, the crowd was just getting louder and louder. You could even tell watching on TV how amazing that was, and then it happened. John Joe Shelby comes on for key, and literally immediately following him getting subbed on, he played his first touch. He puts a, like a dynamic through ball to Yedlin, like insane, the best ball of the match, in my opinion. I thought the uh, shared ball was better, but he like yet like he <laughs> he led. The shared ball was a cross field pass to a wide open person. The share ball, yeah, yeah, but Eight. this one was from midfield to the right flag on the end line against Yedlin while he was being guarded. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I tweeted right after that. I man, I missed Shelby's balls, and then I realized what I tweeted after I'd already hit tweet, and I was like, oh, yikes, phrasing. Yeah. So that, Yedlin crossed it straight at Pickford, and then Pickford immediately hit it out. We got the ball back, and it was a massive mistake. Um, It got to Almiron, and like an absolute dynamite of a shot from Almiron. Like, holy crap. Pretty strong. Hardest shot that they've ever seen him. Yeah. Uh, about like 25, 30 yards out. And then Pifford could only parrot it. Perez jumped right on it, just slotted it right underneath him. Um, definitely wasn't offsides. And it's, it's tie game. It's a chance of dodgy keeper started going. I know Sunderland fans were cheating, uh, chanting uh, Pickford. He's one of our own from two leagues down. That, that was no longer happening. And then... This, just the direct tactics that Rafa employed. Like, it was, we were playing so, so direct. 4-2-3-1 to the rule of the law, and Everton had nothing they could do for it with our team. And they were putting so much attention on Almiron. Everybody was so free. It was amazing. Like, it was so cool to see. And then Shelby had another chance, and immediately after that, it happened. It was Shelby's corner, sent right into the area. Yedlin, like... I'm going to call Dude. it a pass, but it was... No, he botched a ball. No, I'm calling it a pass. Dude. The, <laughs> so what really happened like, it, is he like, just hit a ball with his knee. <laughs> this was a game of absolute luck because Yedlin, Yedlin had probably what it... Like, if, if nothing resulted from that, like, that would have been... There's just... That would have been, like, the, the moment everyone points to. Like, oh, we could have won if Yedlin hadn't absolutely botched this volley. Yeah. Um, he botched it. It landed right to Hayden, and he just, like, lets the ball hit the side of his foot. It pops up, like, 20 feet in the air, and then there's, like, four players all that are off – or three players that are off sides, and Rondon wasn't. Some people are saying he was, but look at the replay again. He, he definitely was wasn't. And he comes around the back of – I don't remember who it was. Um, maybe Zuma. Maybe, maybe it was Almiron. Oh. You're talking about Newcastle players, okay. Yeah, he, he was behind a Newcastle player and then runs around him to get in front and chests the ball, and then Perez slots it high and, and right just inside the right post to make it 3-2, to two, 
The place is going nuts. There's no way. There's no way Everton's going to come back from this one. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how it ended. Three, two, Newcastle United, three points. Thank you, lads. Elijah, how happy are you? Pretty, pretty happy. Um, Pretty happy because, one, that is the fifth Newcastle win in a row at home, and that hasn't happened in a while. Hey, you're taking my stats. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm joking. (laughs) You can do that. I I mean, there's so many stats (laughs) from this match because it was so absurd um, that there's going to be plenty to go around. Uh, But, yeah, this it was insane. And uh, it's one of those where it was just like, the momentum was just all in there. I've watched the post-match highlights like 40 times Same. because like, it's just like in full volume with the headphones in because like how loud St. James was after the first goal was like, wow. Okay. Cause people were like, cause like you said, the atmosphere was great throughout. Even we were down to, to know, like you still heard the fans. They still thought we had a chance and it was classic, like classic, honestly, classic St. James of last season. When we went on that spectacular run where it was just like, Every single match, it's it felt like Newcastle had a chance, especially at home. I mean, this was no no different, and it was it's cool because like it's so interesting how how dire things were in the beginning of this podcast, like when the beginning of this podcast actually happened way back in August. Um, because like there were like three or four consistent things we would talk about, and one was how bad Iose was. Two was how we had lacked creativity as a team. And had no one, you know, no no threat offensively. And three was like how terrible the atmosphere was at St. James. And like all three of those things have now just been magically fixed in one yeah. glorious match. And it was just cool. Like you watch the match highlights and Sam gets loud when Rondon like scores. And then Sam goes insane when Iose scores the first goal. And then like like my computer crashed when we scored the third goal. Like it was just so it was insane how how loud everything was and the atmosphere there and I mean I know Graham just had himself a ball uh, but yeah it was sick it was yeah. cool to see Graham I, I feel like I didn't get to process it fully while I was watching it because I was watching it with an Everton fan and like with his like two year old son so I mean I was in a bar in Vegas just me and one other guy and we were just like freaking out it was nuts <laughs> and then you guys threw back some shots no I wish so. Oh, well. just, you had to drive. Yeah. <laughs> Next yep. time. Next time. Um, yeah. So some some stats for you. It was Newcastle's fifth win in a row at home. <laughs> nice. All right. That's it for stats. No. Yeah. Um, some some uh, some good ones. Some gems. You have to go back to October of two thousand and three, the last time that Newcastle United recovered from going two goals behind to win in the Premier League. And that mm. was over Fulham. We did that. Um, we did do it more recently, but it was in the championship in 2016. We were down – I think everyone will remember this match. We were down 3-1 to one to Norwich and came back, Dwight Gale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so it was our first win over Everton since beating them 3-2 to two at St. James's in December of 2014. So that was six matches in a row without a win um and the last time we've won five home games in a row do you know the answer to this uh it was during sir bobby's era yep it was january to april of 2004 yeah um the newcastle has 22 home points this season 
which is equal to our worst ever Premier League tally, which is set in 2008, 2009. So chances are we're going we're gonna to do better than that. Because <laughs> yeah. remember, we, uh, I read this stat a couple times that we were on pace to have the worst home form ever in any season in Newcastle United history. So we've turned that around, five straight wins. We're good now. <laughs> yeah. um, now we're at the mark, but we're probably, chances are, we're going to get more than zero points the rest of the season. Oh. Um, uh, the last time Newcastle scored three goals and a half. Are yeah. you asking me? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, um, I'm going to guess in the championship, 2016. Oh. Really? It was the match before we went to the championship. Our last Premier League match before oh, we yeah, down we the Rocket. Oh, yeah, we won 5-1, right, against Tottenham, right? Uh, yeah, 6-2, right? No, 5-1, 5-1, you're right, you're right. It was 5-1, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, that was absurd. it. Uh, Rondon has his ninth goal, eighth in the Premier League. Um, he has 32 Premier League goals. That's his uh, tied for his uh, Premier League high is eight. Okay. Overall. Well, we'll um, yeah. Iosi Perez made it seven, six in the Premier League. All of those are at home. Um, he has 42 to his name and 27 in the Premier League, which will, that puts him at 12th and eighth all time. So. I haven't um, noticed that. I have yeah. two more stats for you. Uh, Magpies became only second team to uh, overall 2-0 deficit against Everton at home. Spurs did it in 2000. So shout out mm-hmm. to Newcastle. Good company there. And then I'll throw out a number, and you just guess what that correlation is or like what this correlates with. Okay. Uh, 1,302. All right, say, say it all over again. Just, all right, so I'm going to give you a number. Yeah. You just have to guess, like, what the significance of it is. Yeah. 1,302. Um, 1,302. Days since we've beat Everton. No. <laughs> That's a good guess. No, it's... <laughs> How many likes are Fred Roberto Rojas got on his tweets? Which is just a picture of an Almeron jersey and a an open Newcastle broad ale. Oh my gosh! Wow, I can't believe you thought I'd have a serious stat for you. Yeah, Jeez. I I don't I don't know. Um. All right. So one before we go to quotes and and best player that thing. There's one surprising thing that I'm going to do. The Iose Perez, the whoa, let me. Yeah, let me start you can't up. even say his name. The Iose Perez band, brand is is no more for me. Oh, yeah, it's a surprising thing for me to say because and I look, I'm not going to. I'm going to do everything that that he's deserved. He when he's awful, I'm going to absolutely slate him. And when he's good, I'm going to praise him. And that's the way I feel like I've always done. I know I've been harsher at him than, than usual. But, like, performance like that, it, it, he, he's getting all the attention he deserves. I do caution people, like, yeah, like, it's very easy to argue a player is great when they have a great performance. 
it's very easy to argue a player is awful when he's an awful performance. It's, it's how everything goes. Um, Sean Longstaff had like six great performances and we wanted him called up to England. Like let's, so, so all that comes naturally in territory, but Perez, I I was doing some thinking over it and Perez does deserve some recognition. You don't just score, you know, 42 goals at Newcastle and it's very uncommon for you to be hated for that, which I'm guilty of. So I am hereby ending the Iose Perez CHN radio brand of just making him the worst player on our team. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a suspension of the brand. It could okay. come back. Yeah. But for now, I'm ending it. Okay. So Iose Perez is no longer the brand. A part of, a part of this, the brand of this podcast. That is insane. We have to have a new shtick now. Yeah. Yep. Um, We're going to have to find one. Yeah. I'm, I'm ending it. And I will say this, and I think there's a lot of people who, I, and I think this is kind of something that, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how to best express this. I think Iose is a player that benefits greatly depending on his surroundings. And you kind of look at like how it, it, the managers who were able to get the most out of Iose knew where to put him and who to play him with. And I feel like there's never been, and I think part of the reason there's been a lot of Iose slander and hate is that like he he's not been one to completely have great seasons com- like by himself. Like even with this last match, he played out of his mind. But a lot of the reason he was given so much freedom was because of all the stuff that another player was doing. Like a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of the attention Miguel drew. So I just think that's an interesting. This little tidbit, and it's not an asterisk on Iose Perez. I think there's a lot of players who are like that, um, but I think Iose got kind of the worst of the slander um, with players who are kind of like that. Um, I don't know. That was just my my two cents. Yeah, like in uh, a more extreme example would be like Mezudozu, who like had some really just non-impactful in the eyes of fans seasons with Arsenal. But that was largely, and while also having insane season, insane international play with Germany, and just like the talent around him in Germany was so much better, and he was, and that team and that system worked out way better for him than anything he got at Arsenal. Like yeah. the way he plays and how he operates as a player just lends better to the players he was surrounded with in Germany versus the players he was surrounded with at Arsenal. That's an extreme example, of course, because still Mesut Özil is at his worst, would be a better number 10 than Iose Perez. But still, that's not the point. The point being, Iose uh, is officially not hated by this podcast anymore. And that was breaking news. <laughs> yeah, breaking it, news it's, I think it's big news. Um, it is big news. Because I've been pretty harsh on him. And I think, you know, I was reflecting. I was like, man, like, you know, I'm thinking about the players that I've watched that have scored as many goals as Perez. And there's not many that I've personally watched since be, being a Newcastle fan in the U.S. It's like he, like, think of, like, the highest scoring players in our entire fandom. And, like, Perez is easily top five of any of those guys. What's wild is that there are strikers that are loved more than Perez, like Loic Remy, who have just never even gotten close to this gold top. Yeah. Which yeah. is insane. Like, I remember on the meetup, people were like, oh, man, remember that guy, Loic Remy? Oh, <laughs> we'd love to have him back. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. Flex, and then you look at the numbers, and it's like, ah, maybe you don't want him back. You kind of want to yeah. stick with the guy it's, now. It's also tough to compare him to 
uh, because like you look at like players that have been here way less and had like way more goals per minute ratios than that, but then they're strikers like like yeah, like Mitrovic already has over twenty Premier League goals. He's almost past Perez in Premier League goals, but like he's also a striker, and Perez isn't a true striker. He's and second striker, is, winger, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so you and can't compare him to that. Like full up target man, where it's yeah. just like he's a threat on corners, he's a threat on counter well, not really on counters, but he's a threat swinging the ball in, he's a threat hold up play where Iose kinda has he relies way more on, you know, being poaching and then making some cheeky little runs and stuff like that. But that's not the point. The point is Jose Perez. He's now we don't hate him. Yeah. Right. To be fair, I never actually hated him. I just also <laughs> gave him a little bit of slack when he needed it. But yeah, um, there'll be some people who uh, who are happy about that news. Specifically, our newest staff writer Zach, who uh, <laughs> he, our our first conversation with Zach was at Toon Army meetup in Denver. Shout out to those folks, Maha Maha Magpies, and he was just defending Jose Perez to Greg, like just just back and forth. It was very entertaining because they both <laughs> felt really passionate about it and. So, yeah, shout-out to Zach and Cameron as well, another guy who loves Iose. Yeah. yeah. All right, some quotes. Um, Rafa said today, you could see something I've been saying from day one. These players, they care. They work really hard. They fight for each other. And in a difficult game like this one, they stayed calm and kept pushing. That is what the fans are expecting from these players. As always, it's the reaction of the players. At, at halftime, we were talking about staying calm, don't concede another goal. I told them if we scored one goal, we'd be back in the game. We kept pushing, stopping them, playing, and creating chances. Um, he obviously went on to talk about the all of the like penalty and all this. And then he had this interesting question that I wanted to read. Uh, somebody asked him – they asked him to compare um, this halftime talk compared to – his Liverpool halftime talk when they're in the Champions League final, <laughs> which I was like, "Oh yeah, same level playing field." Uh, yeah. Really good question here. Yeah, mid but- table matchup where <laughs> at that point in the match, like, because we had already, we'd actually at by that point in halftime, we were actually not that in danger of being relegations anymore. But still, yeah, like, we were st- solid mid table team versus Champions League final. Wow. Yeah. Um, he said. <laughs> he said it was similar. In terms of the team talk, because you have to give them something to believe. In Istanbul, we changed and put three at the back. We had problems with players between the lines. Today, we changed later, but the main thing was that we were doing something to switch play and then come from behind. They were winning. They were passing the ball. They're a good team. We needed to be more on top of them. We needed to have more control. Otherwise, they would be passing the ball for a while. We needed to do something different. Um, So that was just something... That Rafa said, "All right, Elijah, who is? Do you even want to do worst player?" Wait, I have, I have a, a quote from Marco Silva, who's being charged by the FA, by the way. Yeah, I mean, cool, good for him. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't really. I, I remember that one time Rafa got fined for like complimenting the referee or something like that. Just mentioning the referee, he got fined by the FA. So, yeah, FA can shove it um, down their pants. Like their shirt, they got to tuck it in. <laughs> All um, right. Anyway, Marco Silva, he said, "There's time for you to just hold, hold your hands up and say the other team wanted it more." Oh yeah, yeah. I should. Yep. That's a good quote. That's should like. We, a, should we even do a worse player? 
I, you know, I, I will do a worst player. Um, Go. Uh, there's two. Well, worst player, Jordan Pickford, obviously. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and, like, on a realistic standpoint, like, he obviously, like, like, he was not the sole reason for that loss. And a lot of people are pointing this out. I mean, Newcastle fans are going to be quick to be like, oh, it was all on him. Um, but Everton's defense literally collapsed, as Greg mentioned. Like, once we switched that formation, like, they just – they had a game plan and they could not adjust in-game. And no matter what Marco Silva was trying to shout from the sideline, it's just like they could not adjust to having to deal with uh, the threat of Richie and Perez um, now with the freedom of Almiron. So you have to deal with you know, three different threats now and, and also Rondon as opposed to just um, the 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 – the front three you had to deal with four different players and you're just a completely different formation change and the center backs were pushing up field. It was just a nightmare for them. Um, yeah. But, but Pickford did let like the Newcastle fans get to him. Like he Definitely. was being targeted the entire match uh, from it being, from him being booed to him being uh, chanted at for him being, uh, I, I mean, there's definitely people shouting insane obscenities behind the net at him throughout the entire match and like he did exactly what young keepers often do in this situation and he just completely succumbed to the pressure and that definitely had an effect on how he kept conducted himself throughout the rest of the match um there's other keepers in this league uh who i mean are a little who are older or or just have a little bit more experience who were if they made a mistake of that of that level or if they've or if they're dealing with fan abuse of that level then they kind of just have learned to kind of block out the noise, but it, it was a big lesson in Pickford because this is something that literally has never happened to him. I was talking to like my friend, Matt, who big Everton guy. And he's like, even against Liverpool, like they don't target just him. Like they, they'll chant about Liverpool will chant about Everton in general. And they'll, they'll, they'll make fun of the club in general, but this is like the first time he's like, I've never seen a, a fan just literally target one player especially since he's the england number one and everyone in england's supposed to love him um and so it's it's cool this is kind of the first time he's ever experienced that it's not cool but it sucks for him and he just completely succumbed to pressure so uh yeah. definitely just the worst player of the match in general for that reason alone just could not handle the mental battle um and i mean dubrovka was able to he made some clutch saves uh after being down two nil uh, it could have been three nil there's opportunities for Everton to score, they put a, they put two shots wide and they got one on target and Dubrovka was able to save it. That's not the point. Um, other worst players, I think the fullbacks or wingbacks today were both pretty subpar. Like, at the end of the day, everyone played well at the end of the match. But for the first 60 minutes, DeAndre Yevlin and Matt Ritchie were both having pretty subpar matches. Uh, Matt Ritchie still kind of refuses to pass the ball Miguel Amaron when he's playing that left wingback role. Um, even when Miguel's making runs it's to the point where people who are not even Newcastle fans are noticing it um so it's it's just something that I don't know if that's going to be a kink that needs to be worked out or if it's just like maybe that's how it's supposed to be tactically but you don't see it on the other side of the pitch partially because I'm not well we're not supposed to slander Ayose so we're not going to um but uh (laughs) but Richie one missed the pen which that is on him uh if you miss the pen especially hitting it straight down the middle and on the ground, like, hey, that's, that's on you. Um, and then he gave away the ball that led to the second match, that, to the second goal, and DeAndre Yedlin was pretty absent in terms of being involved in the attack in the, in the first 40 minutes. And then he, gave, he lost his man, which kind of resulted in the, first, in the first goal. So I don't think both of them had stellar days, and, I mean, they obviously made up for it in the end, but it had to be said. 
I, I mean, you still have to criticize people with the win because we don't want to, we don't want to get to the point as a podcast where even you know we're playing Champions League level football and just because we won doesn't mean that there weren't players who didn't perform well. So yeah, um, mine, you know, it, it was. I think I, I'm with you. Another player who I didn't think had a great day is Key. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was worse than LaSalle's or Yedlin. That's true. Uh, I don't want to get – I guess I'm going to pick Yedlin because I don't want to give it to LaSalle's if he's actually hurt. Um, then that's not fair to call him the worst player if he's injured. Um, best player, Tyosie Press. Okay. He had he had literally he had the assist and the two goals. He had he was responsible for all three of the goals. Could have had a hat trick. People forget he had a shot saved too. Yeah, um, he, he put had, one over the bar. I think too, like a header or something over the bar. He had he had five oh, shots, had the, three on target, two key passes. Yeah, which is second to only Florian Lejeune. <laughs> yeah, it's predicted. Um, Alron had zero key passes, but he was very involved. Three shots, um, and in in hockey, Almiron got an assist. But in the Premier League, and even in fantasy Premier League, that's an assist by Almiron. But in official Premier League stats, it's not an assist. So still, Almiron, no assists, no goals for him. Yeah, um, but uh, obviously um, playing yeah. very well. Still, I yeah, think everybody's in agreement there. Yeah. I, I think one thing we didn't talk about during the match moments was Iose's like doubles chance he had earlier in the match, where like it was it was in the second half, but he had like had a shot and then it was saved and then he was like on the ground and he like headed it back towards the net and it was like oh that would such an insane goal, but that's that's not that's not important. Um, I think Iose was clearly the best the, the man of the match for sure. But I want to give a shout out to Isaac Hayden, a guy who I wrote off on this podcast as like being someone that probably wouldn't start uh, this previous match, but he proved me wrong. Uh, he he set up, he set up, uh, he he was involved in all the goals. He was involved in uh, one of the long balls uh, sent up to create one of the attacks uh, for the first goal. He was a part of that sequence of passes. Uh, he laid it off to Almiron in order to uh, set up that shot Almiron had uh that uh that um that Pickford saved and then he of course had the insane looping ball um that landed perfectly at uh at um to the chest of, of Solomon Rondon and so he just he had a decent match created two chances um and you know still was very involved um in the match um had played the ball pretty well had 60 touches I don't know just Overall, honestly, a pretty decent uh, match for for um, for Isaac Hayden. So yeah, I would say yeah, Hayden, Perez, Rondon, and Paul Dummett and Almiron are my like five really good like performers. Oh, you're 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 one twos and threes. Yeah, my my threes, which were best, were Dummett, Hayden, Almiron, Rondon. And Perez. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's move. Let's. Uh, I, I didn't mention 538 yet for their predicted end of the year 
uh, table, they're saying Newcastle have 43 points. We have a less than 1% chance of getting relegated, which is now officially our lowest percentage. It's looking really good. Um, they say that we'll finish ahead of Brighton, Southampton, Burnley, Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield. So 14th is what they're predict- projecting. Um, they say we'll finish tied on points with Crystal Palace with them winning in goal difference. I don't believe them between you and I. Um, and then in the table currently, live table, Newcastle are sitting 13th. Um, we are three points away with from the- Bournemouth and Everton. Everton, Everton. Um, I this which is we could leapfrog Bournemouth. Yeah, we could literally. Well, yeah, because they have a worse goal difference. So, um, a win against Bournemouth next week, we'd put us level on points with them, but we would have at least a five goal better difference than them. So significant. Um, we could not pass Everton on goal difference unless we beat Bournemouth by nine. <laughs> so. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, really good. Really good. So now we have some questions, Elijah, uh, presented by the beautiful Fubo TV. Uh, Fubo is Fubo TV is an American over-the-top internet television service that focuses primarily on channels that distribute live sports, including NFL, MLB, NBA, go Sixers, MLS, and soccer leagues all over the world, plus news. Plus network TV and movies. Guess what? They also have A and E. Now I, f- I finally realize why I always say A and E. Live PD. I, I guess. Live PD is one of the best television experiences of my life. Okay. It's like if, you, if any college football fans are out there, or no, 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 not college football. Um, NFL fans are watching on NFL Network Red Zone. It's like mm-hmm. that, but for cops. Oh, that does sound sick. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right. Here we are in Milwaukee. We got a burglary right now. <laughs> Officers, blah blah blah, on the scene, and I'm just like enthralled during the entire thing. I'm like, yo, this is so dope, <laughs> and it it's just it's uh it's pretty incredible actually. Yeah. Uh, some weird people out there in this world. Fubo TV also has some pretty dope just channels I've never heard of, like Sportsman Channel. Like, I want to get Fubo TV just to figure out what the heck Sportsman I hope, is. I hope that's just, like, Scottish games. Yeah. That's what I <laughs> hope just, it is. Like, yeah. throwing a log over, like, a, like, throwing a massive log as far as you can type stuff. It just sounds like if you regularly watch that channel, you just have a full beard. And you wear flannels. Like, you're just more of a man than yes. me. And I'm, I'm willing to accept that. It's yeah. fine. I love it. Um, all right, so let's get into it. The first few, we got some a, a lot of questions. We love this. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, fake Bristol Jordy. Um, Michael Martin would accept you. Ooh, yeah. Got him. Um, Gross. You find him at NUFCUNE14ST. He said, if Newcastle's home kit wasn't black and white, what colors would you like it to be? I mm-hmm. like that question. That's good. Um, so I would, man. This, hmm. Red and black. Go dogs. <laughs> okay. Um, I like that blue that Newcastle has, like an accent color. Like so the, black the and that blue. blue or the royal blue one? Uh... 
Like the, the one that's in our logo. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's I don't know what blue that is, but it's like a accent blue on the Coming Home Newcastle logo. Uh, if you want to see that logo, just go to ComingHomeNewcastle.com and just that's the blue I'm talking about. That'd be cool. Just that black and black. I think black and blue is an underrated uh, color combination, and it's only really done well in soccer. And no American team is doing it well right now. So, uh, Actually, sure. I'm going to change my answer now. Okay. Newcastle upon time, their colors are red and green. So let's That's go. an interesting – you can't do that, though. Oh, uh, yeah, you can't do red. No, well, you can't do red and green. Because uh-huh. there's people who are, like, colorblind. Well, then those people don't like Christmas or Newcastle. We don't want them either. Or that one NFL color rush game between the Jets and the Bills where yeah. the colorblind people just couldn't tell which team was which. <laughs> yeah. That, that would We're, be mine. I'd, I'm going with red and green, Newcastle upon Tynes official. Or team. gray if you're colorblind. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. Are Newcastle in the top 10 most supportive clubs in the States? If you're talking Premier League clubs, yes. Uh, yeah, definitely not clubs because you have, like, all right, let's name the top 10. So Man City, Chelsea. I'm, this is in Arsenal, no particular Spurs. order. Yeah, yeah. Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. Man U. Man U. Um, um, then you got uh, Dortmund and Bayern. Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Yeah, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then... Possibly PSG for the hype beast. A lot of people like Neymar and their Jordan brand. And Juve, probably. It's all the, yeah. all the major clubs. Yeah, and it's, and it's because Americans, like, they don't know enough about football, so they're just, like, going to pick the bandwagon teams. Yeah, in the Premier League, definite. Yeah, um, it's really definite because you've got pretty much the top six, and then outside of that, it's kind of a free-for-all. Um, I bet like, there's more Everton supporters. Yeah, I was saying, there's some Everton's up there, there's but probably more West Ham supporters. Eh, maybe there's some pretty big West Ham U.S. supporter groups. I think Newcastle's probably around eighth or ninth on that list, though. Well, we're already at eight. Yeah, I but think they're ninth. I can't think of another team that that has a big enough support. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're right. I think ninth might be that sweet spot. For, yeah, I don't even know who I'd have at tenth. Yeah, I, at Denver, I saw my first Watford. Maybe fan. Fulham because Fulham of Clint Dempsey. Might. Yeah, oh yeah, Fulham might. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's still oh, not as we didn't even mention Liverpool as a, in the top ten in the world because that's definitely there. Yeah, they have a huge support, especially in Boston because. Fenway Group owns them. Um, all right. Uh, he said, in your opinion, what is the likelihood of us holding on to Rondon? I think it's 100%. I'd say it's 95% because I can, you can never be 100% with Mike Ashley. Um, Fair. I mean, I think it's 100%. I mean, in reality, I do think it's 100% because I think it's going to be double-digit goals. Um, and it'll just be like, you'll be stupid to not Sign him. And the other thing is, I don't think Newcastle are going to land Joel Linton. So, um, yeah, and he's already moved here, so might as well. Yeah. <laughs> might as well it's, it's just like there's, there's a lot going it's, it's not like, it, yeah, it, it's going to be, uh, it would be insane. for. It was like the Dubrovka thing where it was like, all right, well, I mean, he's was easily one of your best players in the second half of the season. 
when you brought him in and it's a four and a half million pound loan to buy. So why would you not trigger it? And with Rondon, it's not the same exact thing. There's a little bit more of a price tag, but he's probably going to end the season as your leading scorer. And you have the opportunity to make your leading scorer a permanent deal. Yeah. I don't care who, how dumb you are as a businessman. That just makes sense. Yep. Uh, last question from fake Bristol Jordy. He said, do you like cheesy chips? And if you mean cheesy chips as in cheesy fries, as Americans call them, or just cheesy chips, the answer is yes. Oh, the answer is no, because it's a Sunderland reference. Oh. Yeah, you, you missed that one. Then no. Yeah, that was the correct answer is no. We're sorry, fake Bristol Jordy, that Greg did not pick up. Yeah, I mean, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet, uh, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about some cheesy fries on a boardwalk. Yeah. Well, let's get to Joe Avery's question. Yeah, uh, fake Bristol Jordy. I apologize. My apologies, and uh, I I owe you one. I owe you a pint. How's that sound? Uh, Joe Avery. Yes. At Joe Avery underscore. Shout out to him. He was at the Toon Army Denver meetup from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Him and his wife. So shout out to you, Joe. Um, Joe says. Perez is now eighth all-time. Oh, this is what you were talking about. Yeah. Perez is now eighth in all-time goals for Newcastle. Do you consider him a black and white legend? Do you want to go? What do you want me to? Oh, geez, a legend. Oh, man, that is a tough question. Um, I say I, no. I think, I, I, yeah, I would say in order to reach legend status, you would have, have to have – you have to have brought us you have to some win something. sort of – but yeah, you have to win something. You have to bring some sort of actual success. Yeah. Um, I think, like, like even guys like Jonas, who's, like, easily probably one of the most loved players by the clubs, I even think he would be considered a legend in the eyes of many people because, like, he was on pretty bad Newcastle teams. Yeah, he saved us from relegation at one time, and he beat cancer. Um, but maybe that's why he's a legend, because he well, beat cancer. and you that's look at Shola. Shola never necessarily won anything. He was there for some good times, but – he was the Mackham Slayer. He literally he scored at some of the biggest derby matches that we've had and beat Sunderland. Like Perez hasn't even done that because they won six in a row against him or however many it was. I don't want to bring it up, but like so you have to you have to have those moments, right? Like this is yeah. this past weekend was a moment, but you know, it's not necessarily a rivalry. It wasn't for a cup. So if you but, win something, but- definite. But, it, but the Cameron's article about the 25% of our wins in the past four Premier League season, that if, if that rate continues and Perez finishes, <laughs> if Perez finishes his career in Newcastle with like 25% of being responsible for, directly responsible for 25% of our wins, like, I mean, that has to account for something. I don't know. I, I mentioned the Slack. I'm not a big fan of that stat because that doesn't, account for all the other matches and we were not necessarily a good team so it's like 25 percent of what like but you'd all but you could you could you can't argue that without those wins like newcastle would clearly be a worse win a worse opposition yeah or we could spend five mil on a better player and been in a better off position Oh, sorry. I can't, I can't say. It. I can't say it. Sorry. Yeah, you sorry, can't sorry. say that. Yeah, we'll edit that out. <laughs> we won't, we don't, we don't. No, I, I think. I think it is worth noting. I'm glad Joe brought it up, and I just think you're, you know, win something big, and yeah, 
for sure. If he moves up to that, if he moves up to like, if he gets in the 60 goal range with the club, just that's significant. That's significant. That's a milestone. Yeah. And if he's on, like, then maybe. Yeah, I could agree with that. Like, yeah. say he gets like there's a certain threshold you have to get to. 18 I mean, goals. He's, and... he's close. He's at 50. He's almost at 50 goals. But yeah. still, if he gets to, like, like, 60, 70 goal margin, and it's like that's a player who has who is going to be considered a club legend, quote, based on just purely how long he's been with the club as well. Yeah. Uh, so. And there'll be there'll be moments along the way that people can point to as like remember that time he had this match over Tottenham or Arsenal or New not Newcastle he can't play his own team or uh, or Everton so I mean that, I think if you get into that conversation yes but at this current time I don't think he'll be a club legend um, until he achieves something else and we gave him a bunch of ways to get there so hopefully he does my man punks at Tony Thari what up. Uh, you can find him at TGS42084. Rondon versus Hurricane. Though, before you answer, the Hurricane is Hurricane Salomon. Who wins? Who wins what? Just like Who death? Wins? Rondon versus Hurricane. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean... There's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with this. Yeah, um, so who's going to win? Um, do you want me to be realistic or do you want me to just pull something out of my butt? No, sci-fi it up. All right. Shark so, Nadoid. Shark Nadoid. okay. So you've got Rondon's work rate and I think just the amount of that, like how hard he runs and for how long he's able to run, I think he can just outrun the hurricane. So okay. I guess it's technically him fleeing the hurricane, but that's a win because the hurricanes KD doesn't improve. It's and then the hurricane him. will eventually reach warm land and dissolve. Yeah, exactly. So Rondon will be the last man or thing standing in this situation. Yeah, I I also think Rondon would beat Hurricane Salomon. Um, it's a pretty bad hurricane, but you know what's understated about Rondon is his holdup play. Mm. So he's building them levees. He's building a fortress. Okay, in that little city of his. People also, uh, there was a very popular chant about Salomon Rondon that we will not be singing on this podcast <laughs> about the size of his. His uh, his member, and it says, <laughs> and, yeah, and if those are true, then he could probably take out the hurricane yeah. with just, just that particular alone. body part. Yeah, for sure. Just well, bam. <laughs> Good question, uh, Matt Matthew Matt Rawson 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 America. America. Uh, he has a few for us. He says, yeah. "Has anything been more satisfying than watching T Rex arms pull that third goal out of his net?" Ooh, I mean. <laughs> Jeez, uh, I don't know. I mean, no, part, yes. part me, dude, I honestly think and this is – I don't want to be that guy, but, like, I think especially for, for me being someone who is so involved on social media, when we won the championship – because you have to remember, me being a Newcastle fan, I've literally never seen us win anything because of how recent of a fan I am. That was a good moment, and I think that's still right now one of my favorite moments – uh, simply because, like, we just completely stole that championship title away from Brighton. And, like, everyone was talking so much crap about us. Like, Sutherland fans, Brighton fans, everyone was talking so much crap. And then, like, we won the championship. And, they, they like, no one could say anything. Like, we won. That was it. Yeah. And that there was, was, like, we, we dominated the game we had to dominate. 
and Brighton didn't show up to their match, and we won. So, I mean, for me, that was more satisfying. Um, the thing yeah. that was better for me was the pitcher afterwards when Perez scored, and you zoom in and all the fans' reactions, and you see that dad looking into his son's eyes, and they're both screaming at the top of their lungs. Do you oh, know, man. Uh, do you see that? Yeah. No, yeah, dude, did you see a... That was uh, the coolest thing to me. And somebody else did one, you might be about to mention this, where they showed a picture of a goal at a Manchester United match, a game winner, like, versus a goal, the game winner from Saturday. And yeah. there's about 15 to 20 phones at the Manchester United match that were out in the picture. There was zero in the entire script. And probably about 30, 40 more fans were pictured in the Newcastle one. Dude, cool. uh, <laughs> did you like, see? Uh, did you see the like why? Like someone responded to that. Um, like who? Who's a Newcastle season ticket holder? They were like, "That's because there's no service in St. James." <laughs> well, then keep it that way. It's better for the atmosphere. <laughs> it's better for, um, but no, with that picture of the 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 guy and his son or daughter, his son, uh, War Flags tweeted like, "Who is this?" And they found the person. Oh, uh, cool. That was cool. I don't really know, and they DM'd him. I don't really know what that's about, but. People are thinking that it's going to go on War Flags' new runner, which we that can would talk be, about later. Anyway. Um, Matthew also says, do you like Perez now? Well, listen to the whole pod. Don't skip oh. to the question. If you've gotten to this point, you've answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> the answer <laughs> yeah. is honestly, secretly, no. Greg still doesn't like Perez. But for the sake of this brand, for the sake of this podcast, he likes Perez. Uh, he's, like Brian described, he is one of the best clutch players that I've seen at Newcastle United. We can say that. Wow. Confident. High praise. Um, Rawson in America says, why don't we go on these types of runs in the cup? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. I know Rafa's holding out for survival, um, but, uh, man, I would love to see it. I mean, I yeah, I also think that – It just sucks when you see Millwall competing this far in the, in the FA Cup. You're like, why is Millwall in this and we're not? I, uh, I think smash I'm... Millwall. I mean, uh, so I have a, there's a couple reasons in my opinion. One is obviously team selection is usually worse off in cup matches, especially because especially when we come up against our first opponents in cup matches, uh, we usually underperform and put out a bad team. Like the combination of them both, regardless of whether of what league we're in or regardless of like what cup it is, we usually go up against a worse team and we put out a bad lineup. Well, not a bad lineup, a French player lineup, and they never come up to the challenge. Uh, partially because they're out of form and partially because they aren't good. Um, just the other reason is I think there's there's no there's no there's no uh, there's no consequence to to uh, to losing the cup. And Newcastle have proven time and time again that like their motivation is is more about avoiding relegation um, over the past couple seasons rather than like actual success in the Premier League. Does that make sense? Like. Newcastle got to 10th last season and could have pushed for a Euro spot, but they just coasted through their last, like, seven games. Six, seven games. Like, it's the same thing. Um, And, like, with this match, like, the motivation was really more about survival than anything. And it wasn't really about, like, the actual, like, oh, we could go out and, you know, make a Euro spot if we keep up this good run of form. It was just, like, we need to give ourselves separation between us and the relegation zone. And you kind of saw that happen with West Ham. We were in a safe position, and then kind of the team fell flat. I mean, you hope stuff like this happens again, and we go on cup runs, but it just doesn't seem like a priority um, within the club to win a cup or win silverware. 
um, which is sad, and you hate to see it, but you just um, hate to see it. It's the truth. So sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but official questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney twelve says, "What's the only comeback comparable to Saturday? The Jonas Brothers, Lance Armstrong with one testicle, post imprisonment, Martha Stewart." <laughs> And Grover Cleveland second term. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, geez. That's tough. I mean, so I grew up with the Jonas Brothers, so. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. But. But I don't think – I don't know. I feel like it was only a matter of time for them to reunite. Like, it was just something that, you know, everyone was like, all right, it's going to happen eventually because, like, they were all, like, less busy with their – they'd all settled down. Like, they were stopped chasing stuff. Like, so it was bound to happen at some point. Um, Lance Armstrong one testicle. I don't know if that's a comeback because he, he, like, ended up just, like, getting completely screwed. And what well, screwed? He he cheated and he was punished for it. So I wouldn't even count that. Um, post imprisonment, Martha Stewart. I feel like Martha Stewart, even in po- like post prison, like I don't think she was as popular as she was before prison. Still, like she never reached that level of popularity that she was at before prison. Like she still has her Martha Stewart home collection and magazine and stuff, but she doesn't have any like TV shows or anything. She's not like all over every like product in your home or commercials and stuff. So I don't think that's a comeback, but Grover Cleveland, that is my answer mm. because he was such a popular president that he got both parties support. He got the bourbon Democrats and the mugwumps. Yeah. Yeah. To support him for the presidential ticket. So that doesn't ever happen in American <laughs> politics or politics, literally ever. So, uh, shout out to Grover Cleveland. Yeah, he also got stuck in a bathtub. So. I'm gonna go with Lance Armstrong's one testicle. Now, people say you can call him a cheat all you want, but if you go to that race where he won the Tour de France with one with one nut, and you find the next person that finished behind him that did not cheat, you'd have to travel all the way back to 18th place. So, in my eyes, it's a level playing field. It is because everybody's cheated. And he has one less ball. But I mean, like, if I think that's an, I feel like that's an advantage in cycling because your nuts don't hurt as much because there's only one of them. Uh, I think it might hurt if you only if you have a, have to have a testicle removed. Just, well, I mean, it hurts initially, but once it's healed, it's just like a empty spot there. I guess maybe you could be off balance though. All right, you know the only <laughs> way to figure, to fix this if we get a thousand reviews. Greg will move his testicle. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it was worth it. We get, it's we, hard enough for me. A thousand reviews. Let's make it happen, people. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, shout out to the folks who gave good feedback on uh, – we posted an article from New Newcastle fans over on Dirty South Soccer. So shout out to them for giving us that opportunity, that space. Um, shout out to us for – well, shout out to me for uh, – I mean – I guess it's just bad choice of wording for me. I somehow found a way to insult Newcastle, the city, uh, and people were mad about it. And now Greg and I are going to Newcastle. So at some point, Greg and I will be in Newcastle, 
and uh, Mark Douglas is going to show us around. Uh, yep. So shout out to everyone involved with that. Um, and Zach's probably going to come too. So Perfect. And maybe Ryan. And the, oh, the whole gang's going. We're all Perfect. going to Newcastle. That uh, but yeah, that's all I got. Um, yeah, but check out the site. Uh, there's some good articles coming up that, that have been posted. Our boy One Lost Muffin, former listener of the podcast, now writer. So if you want to do that, shoot us an email at chnradionufc at gmail.com. He's now writing for us, and he has an article up looking at uh, a statistical view of February. and takes us through all the stats um, that had to do in February and talks about pretty much how dominant Newcastle were compared to January and November and December and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's all I got. All righty. Well, that concludes episode 48 of CHN Radio. I am your host, Greg Troxell. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Rate us five stars. It's really important to us. That is my other co-host. Actually, the only co-host, Elijah Newsom. We're happy you're listening. We can't wait for next time. And whole way the lads.
There was four and twenty on the bus, man, who had danced and sung. They called on me to sing a song, and I sang the paddy singing. I danced a jig and swung me twig the day I went to bleeding. The blade and tune, the bellman he was carrying there, they called him Jackie Broom. I saw him taking to some chips, and then he was persuading the Gamsey Jory Ridley showing the mechanics how it bladed. Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, we stole the cuddy. There were spice dolls and monkey shows, and they had wife selling ciders. And the chef of a half-knee's own devotion, and no more lads for riders. Oh, no. 